European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 41, Issue 2, Focus Issue, Diabetes, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia, read to you by Morgan Bryan. A Revolution in Diabetes Care, Novel Drugs and New Recommendations. Diabetes is the cancer of the blood vessels. Indeed, today diabetics of both sexes do not die from diabetes, but from myocardial infarction, renal failure and stroke, in spite of the availability of glucose-lowering drugs. Chronically elevated blood sugar levels may cause an array of molecular changes in the endothelium, smooth muscle and circulating blood cells, which all trigger the typical diffuse atherosclerotic disease of diabetics. While traditionally the management of diabetes was glucocentric, more recently drugs such as sodium glucose transport inhibitor type 2 or SGLT2 and glucagon-like peptide antagonists that for the first time changed the cardiovascular or CV outcomes, made the treatment cardiocentric. Of note, hypoglycemic drugs may induce hypoglycemia, which in patients with type 2 diabetes treated aggressively is associated with an increased risk for cardiovascular events. In contrast, SGLT2 inhibitors reduce the risk of cardiovascular death and or heart failure hospitalization while decreasing HbA1c without increasing hyperglycemia. This is further evaluated in the fast track. Relationship between hyperglycemia, cardiovascular outcomes and empaglyflozin treatment in the EMPA-REG outcome trial by David Fitchett and colleagues from the University of Toronto in Ontario, Canada. 7,020 patients with type 2 diabetes were treated with empaglyflozin 10 or 20 mg or placebo and followed for median three years. The relationship between on-trial hyperglycemia and cardiovascular outcomes and the effects of empaglyphosin on outcomes by incidence of hyperglycemia was investigated. Overall, in 28%, some form of hyperglycemia occurred. In the placebo group, hyperglycemia was associated with an increased risk of heart failure hospitalization and an increased risk of myocardial infarction. However, empaglyphosin reduced cardiovascular outcomes regardless of occurrence of hyperglycemia. Thus, while hyperglycemia was associated with an increased risk of heart failure hospitalization and infarction, the cardioprotective effects of empaglyphosin were evident regardless of the development of hyperglycemia. These novel findings are discussed in an editorial by Carolina Solis Herrera and colleagues from the University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio in the USA. Obesity is a major risk factor for the development of diabetes, but is also associated with a number of cardiovascular conditions such as hypertension, atrial fibrillation, coronary artery disease, abdominal aortic aneurysms, cardiomyopathy and heart failure. However, whether this association is causal or accidental in nature is still unclear. In their article, Body Mass Index and Body Composition in relation to 14 cardiovascular conditions in UK Biobank, a Mendelian randomization study. Susanna Larsson and colleagues from the Karolinska Institutet in Stockholm, Sweden, use the Mendelian randomization design to investigate the association of body mass index, or BMI, with 13 cardiovascular diseases and arterial hypertension. Single nucleotide polymorphisms associated with BMI and fat mass and fat-free mass indices were used as instrumental variables to estimate the association with cardiovascular conditions amongst 367,703 UK biobank participants. 
After correcting for multiple testing, genetically predicted BMI was positively associated with outcomes, such as with decreasing magnitude, aortic valve stenosis, heart failure, deep vein thrombosis, arterial hypertension, peripheral artery disease, coronary artery disease, atrial fibrillation, and pulmonary embolism. The odds ratio per 1 kilogram meter squared increase in BMI ranged from 1.06 for pulmonary embolism to 1.13 for aortic valve stenosis. There was suggestive evidence of positive associations of genetically predicted fat mass index with nine outcomes. The strongest magnitude was with aortic stenosis, with an odds ratio per 1 kilogram per meter squared increase in fat mass of 1.46 while there was an inverse association of fat-free mass index with atrial fibrillation, ischemic stroke, and abdominal aortic aneurysm. Thus, higher BMI and particularly fat mass index are associated with increased risk of aortic valve stenosis and most other CV conditions. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Arun Hingarani and colleagues from the University College London in the United Kingdom. Another marker for cardiovascular outcomes is resting heart rate. In diabetics, this is of particular interest because of autonomic neuropathy and increased vascular vulnerability. In their contribution, resting heart rate and cardiovascular outcomes in diabetics and non-diabetic individuals with high cardiovascular risk, analysis from the on-target Transcend trials. Michel Baum and colleagues from Uniklinikum des Saarlandes in Homburg, Germany, examined 30,937 patients aged 55 years or older at CV high risk or with history of myocardial infarction, stroke or peripheral vascular disease from the on-target and transcend trials. Of these, around one-third had diabetes. In diabetics, mean resting heart rate was 72 and in non-diabetics, 67. Those with mean resting heart rates of 75 to less than 80 had even greater incidence of death infarction and stroke with a hazard ratio of 1.26 in diabetics and 1.16 in non-diabetics. Those with a resting heart rate of 80 or higher were at even higher risk. Similar results with higher event rates in diabetics were obtained in hospitalisation for heart failure and all-cause death, while the effect of resting heart rate on myocardial infarction was less pronounced and was absent for stroke. Of note, no harm was observed at lower resting heart rate, Thus, resting heart rate above 75 are associated with increased CV outcomes except for stroke, particularly in diabetics. Heart rate lowering in such patients should be studied in future prospective trials to determine if it will reduce outcomes in diabetics and non-diabetic patients at high cardiovascular risk. Proprotein convertase subtilism kexin type 9, or PCSK9, a molecular determinant of low-density lipoprotein, or LDL, receptor fate, has emerged as an important therapeutic target for atherosclerotic CV diseases, also recommended in the most recent 2019 ESC guidelines for the management of dyslipidemias. However, the precise mechanism by which PCSK9 regulates the internalization and lysosomal degradation of LDL receptors is unknown. In their basic science article, cyclase-associated protein 1 is a binding partner for proprotein convertase subtilism kexin type 9, and is required for the degradation of low-density lipoprotein receptors by proprotein convertase subtilism kexin type 9. Hussein Kim and colleagues from the Seoul National University College of Medicine in the Republic of South Korea investigated this question further. Adenyl cyclase-associated protein 1, or CAP1, 
is a receptor of human resistin, whose global C-terminus is structurally similar to the C-terminal cysteine-rich domain, or CDR, of PCSK9. Therefore, they investigated the role of CAP1 in PCSK9-mediated lysosomal degradation of LDL receptors and plasma LDL cholesterol, or LDLC, levels. The direct binding between PCSK9 and CAP1 was confirmed by immunoprecipitation assay, far western blot, biomolecular fluorescent complementation, and surface plasmon resonance assay. Fine mapping revealed that the C-terminal cysteine-rich domain of PCSK9 binds with the SRC homology 3 domain of CAP1. Two loss-of-function polymorphisms found in human PCSK9, i.e. S668R and G670E in the C-terminal cysteine-rich domain, were attributed to defective interactions with CAP1. SIRNA against CAP1 reduced the PCSK9-mediated degradation of LDL receptors in vitro. The viable heterozygous CAP1 knockout mice had greater protein levels of LDL receptors and lower LDLC levels in liver and plasma than controls. Mechanistic analysis revealed that PCSK9-induced endocytosis and lysosomal degradation of LDLR were mediated by caveolin but not by clathrin, and they were dependent on the bindings between CAP1 and caveolin-1. Thus, CAP1 is a new binding partner of PCSK9 and a key mediator of caveolin-dependent endocytosis and lysosomal degradation of LDL receptors. Their findings will change the LDLR degradation biology from a PCSK9-centric view to a broader approach. This issue also contains the third set of guidelines produced by the ESC in collaboration with the EASD, i.e. the 2019 ESC guidelines on diabetes, prediabetes and cardiovascular disease developed in collaboration with the EASD. The Task Force for Diabetes, Prediabetes and Cardiovascular Diseases of the European Society of Cardiology, or ESC, and the European Association for the Study of Diabetes, or EASD, by Francesco Constantino and colleagues from the ESC Scientific Document Group. The interval between the 2013 ESC guidelines and the current one has seen an unprecedented increase in the evidence base for the management of diabetics, in particular due to a number of new drugs that for the first time improve cardiovascular outcomes. For the first time, the ESC guidelines now recommend novel antidiabetics, i.e. the SGLT2 inhibitors and the GLP-1 antagonist, as first-line drugs in diabetics with atherosclerotic CV disease rather than metformin, a true revolution in diabetes care. This issue is also complemented by various discussion forum contributions. In a first piece entitled, The Possible Role of Insulin and Glucagon in Patients with Heart Failure and Type 2 Diabetes, Marco Skellin and colleagues from the General Hospital Shibenik, Shibenik in Hrvatska, comment on the recently published article, Heart Failure and Diabetes, Metabolic Alterations and Therapeutic Interventions, a state-of-the-art review from the Translational Research Committee of the Heart Failure Association European Society of Cardiology, by Stefan Heymans and colleagues from the Maastricht University Hospital in Netherlands. Skellin et al. responded in their comment. In another discussion forum entitled Comments on the 2019 ESC Guidelines on Diabetes, Prediabetes and Cardiovascular Disease, Anders Jorsel and colleagues from the Aarhus University Hospital in Denmark comment on the most recent ESC guidelines. 
A similar discussion forum entitled Treatment Algorithms in Patients with Type 2 Diabetes and Atherosclerotic Cardiovascular Disease or High or Very High Cardiovascular Risk by Giovanni Targa and colleagues from the Ospedale Civile Maggiore in Verona, Italy also comments on the ESC guidelines. Francesco Constantino on behalf of the ESC Guidelines Task Force respond to both comments in his contribution. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.